So, good evening. Welcome to the evening talk. <coughs> Speak up, Caroline. Right. <laughs> um, <coughs> pondering how to how to begin this talk, and um, I think I'm going to go for it. But I'm going to read you a poem, and um, and then I'll give the talk, and you can see what the we'll see what the link is between the poem and the talk. Not entirely sure, but it seemed like I wanted to read you this poem to begin with. So uh, it's it's a poem called "Wild Geese" by an American poet called Mary Oliver. Probably some of you, maybe many of you, are familiar with this. I hope you enjoy it. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving over the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. The title of this talk is actually The Five Daily Recollections. And uh, this is a teaching of the Buddha. I'm just curious, how many of you are familiar with this? Would you mind just... <laughs> Nobody? One percent. Great. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Well... So this is a teaching, uh, and uh, I'd like to yeah introduce it to you then, <laughs> and um, also to show how it can be a practice. You know, this week together we've been exploring the different ways that we can. Well, what is it we're doing? <laughs> the question mark. <laughs> what are we doing here? But certainly we 
we say things like we're, we're cultivating you know, steadiness, stability, openness, awareness, yeah, that kind of thing. The other other things too, you know, for for our benefit, right? For our life and to support our life. So all of the teachings of, of the Buddha, all of the practices and that we that we meet um, are are really again they have this one purpose. Jukata is really to support us in finding a, a way of living our life where we're less caught up in suffering. I know. Because the, the great the great aspiration can be to really wow <laughs> how how can that happen? And you know, each of us gropes along like we're in the dark sometimes, aren't she? Exploring and finding out and finding how different practices at different times, finding our own way of, of how how that can really uh, help us and uh, yeah, enable us to more fully, creatively, lovingly engage with this life, you know, with with ourselves, with others. So this. Uh, Teaching of the five daily recollections. I will tell you what it is in a minute, I promise. (laughs) Um, I'm interested to know what your reaction or response is. So I actually want to prime you a little bit before I read it to you. There's sort of five, you can tell, five daily recollections. Five of them. One of the great lists. Um, And just to, as I'll just read them, we'll go over them again. But just to notice sort of what happens. Again, um, as you as you hear as you hear this teaching, then we can explore a little bit. Okay, ready? <laughs> <coughs> I am of the nature to grow old. I am of the nature to get ill. I am of the nature. To die. All that is dear to me will change and vanish. I am the owner of my karma. So just noticing. It's interesting. I'm noticing also what's happening for me as I as I read that to you. So it's yeah, and each one, but the whole this five daily recollections. Uh, so oh great, you know. <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> I don't know. What maybe oh blimey, you know. <laughs> The last evening, can't we? You know, let's have a bonfire or something. You know. And I, I have to say, when I first met this teachings, it was about eight or nine years ago, at the Forest Refuge in the United States, and they were on the notice board next to the ethical precepts, and the ones we met on wherever it was, fifty-nine years ago when we arrived. 
approximately however long it was. And it was on the, on the notice board. It was the only thing on the notice board of all the time, you know, with the precepts, like I'm training in compassionate action. like mine. And then, I am of the nature to grow old. <laughs> I remember looking at them and going, all right, mm-hmm. you know, like, huh? okay, thank you. <laughs> and then I didn't really, I didn't really think about them. Interesting. And it's been in my mind for quite a long time to kind of really look at these. And perhaps some of you are way ahead of me on this one um, in, di- in different ways, even if you don't know this particular practice. But, um, so recently, um, a friend of mine who I was teach with said, we were going to teach a retreat together and we were looking for a theme. He said, let's, let's do death. I was like, and my first reaction was, oh no. <laughs> Just, you know, goodness me, you know, nobody will come or, you know, it'll just make everybody depressed or, you know, I could, a lot of, and, and in the same sort of things, I, I never talked about this before in a Dharma talk to a group. So I, I definitely, there was that feeling of, oh dear, you know. So it's interesting, isn't it? You know, and that's so. So interesting, I don't know what's going on for you as you listen or as you heard them, but, you know, it's like, you know, you don't talk about how much money you make or what your sex life is like or, you, you know, it's like it's not very polite to talk about these things. Um, yeah, so, um, anyway, so I said, all right, and, and I write the five daily recollections, this is my chance. So really, the last couple of months have really been engaging with this as an exploration and uh, practicing with these um, phrases daily, you know, <coughs> saying them and thinking about them. So I'd like to share a little bit about um, this as a practice, you know, as another sort of meditative practice that can really support our life. And again, remembering all of the teachings that he's not trying to depress us or, you know, frighten us. He's, it's a compassionate um, movement. It's a compassionate offering. So I, I, I want to kind of tease out some of the ways in which these, maybe engaging with these teachings, with these, if you like, truths of life. Not the truth, but certainly, you know, a truth or part of you know, the reality of our existence in, in, a, in a human body, so on. And how this reflection, this recollection, this, this engagement can really be very uh, great benefit, great benefit can come from that. And, and certainly, you know, in the Buddhist teachings, you see again and again these things coming up in different ways, all, all five of them, um, as being just key sort of key teachings and that, that, that they they have many many benefits and I obviously can't talk about them all um, and also just maybe for tonight I don't want to get too much into them as actual you know our life because obviously in our life experience we all of us have a lot of experience with aging and, and illness and, and death and separation and 
and you know cause and effect um and and we all we all you know um yeah there's there's a lot in there and i suppose one of my interests in in sharing this teaching is how these recollections if 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 we practice with them can actually help us to um you know to let these events of our life, these these realities of our of our life, the life of, of, of every being, those close to us and, and, and you know all, all of us, um, that the way these contemplation or this contemplation, if it's done in a wise, appropriate way, is actually really supportive of our wisdom and compassion in relation to these kinds of events. So that's the, and and that's certainly my motivation in, in in sharing this. So just as a again as a another possible way of practicing. Um, so I I I found I think I think later I want to share with you I, I I translated the words into into a way of expressing them that felt a bit more palatable, <laughs> um, and more like. You know, like, I don't know, it's like, you know, children's medicine are in, like, orange-flavoured things or something like that. You know, I don't know, maybe sometimes you need that with things. Because I, I got this image, and I was like, you know, I am a... I, I don't know if any of you know Monty Python film. Um, is it in the Holy Grail where they, you, you, the monks, they, and they walk around and they, they, they're chanting and they hit their heads with this wooden palette every you know they go thud thud so that's the image that came to mind i am of the nature to die thud you know (laughs) the nature to grow thud it's like oh god you know and i think it must have been something like that when i first read them on the notice board and thought i don't think so (laughs) and so in the in the last couple of months i think it, it took it took Actually, several weeks before I got to the point where I was, I could actually say this differently, <laughs> maybe. And like, how how can I so that so that actually my being just doesn't feel like it's being you know thud, um, which is not terribly you know, helpful. Although sometimes you know maybe that's what we want. So again, it, it you know need is a bit of a you know bit of a thud. We life gives us that anyway. But anyway, you you. you Translate them as you as you as you as you wish. Um, I'm trying to think whether to. Maybe I'll just briefly say them now, so you can get a sense of that, and then later I'd like to spend a little bit of time with them. Um, we'll see how it goes. So this is my translation. So forgive me if it sounds a bit too, you know, orange flavoured. Then you, know, you can make your own translation. <laughs> so this is what this is what when it really like. You know those moments in practice when it's you know you kind of like oh it's sort of something you kind of get it's sort of like all oh, right okay I think this is I can engage with this so this is what happened for me breathing gently I lovingly remember this body is aging breathing gently I lovingly remember this body is vulnerable to illness. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body will die. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember loss 
is part of life. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember to meet this moment with wisdom. So, yeah, so again, do you see, and, and then just notice how different that feels, you know, and again, it might not be your cup of tea, which is fine, but I, I can, I can, you, you see, like I, I start nodding rather than feeling like I've been thumped, but it's like, I can, I can begin to take that in, and so I just want to yeah, invite you to see how, again, it's that creativity, isn't it? That creative engagement. You may think there's a, a practice that, you know, we can't engage with, but actually we just have to find our way in. You know, we have to find our, our sort of relationship with that. So I just, yeah, that, that sense of how... Perhaps you can begin to hear that as I practice with this, I realize that just as with any meditative kind of object, like the breath or the metta or the hearing or what is this, that if you use it in a, in a, in a, in a careful way, it becomes, a, a, you know, just, you see, it's, it's the same kind of practice calming and insight and we get distracted and we come back we notice our reaction to it it's all the same the same practice really that we've been doing so you can use it in that way and I noticed that that I could really once I'd found the words that kind of I could work with that it really had a very calming effect you know, quite surprisingly so so there's an element I think where if you like, the benefit or the treasure is just as with any any practice, the same the same potential. And it does need sensitivity, I think, and timeliness, that these sorts of recollections may not always be appropriate for us, depending on our situation in life and our mind states, you know. So, um, yeah, being, I think, being careful around that. I, I remember quite some years ago, I after hearing a talk that Catherine McGee, which some of you may know, she gave a talk here about death. And I remember I just really went completely overboard. I went, I have, do have a strong melodramatic streak. <laughs> and I spent the entire rest of the evening weeping and wailing and thinking of all the things that I was going to leave behind. And, you know, and, and then went outside and walked up and down and wailed some more. And I'm going to die, I'm going to die. You know, like, so I don't think that's quite what she was sort of, you know, intending. But, you know, you never know. You put the teaching out there and people do with it what they do with it. And, you know, I survived. I lived another day and, and sort of thought, well, mm, you know, I'm not quite sure how helpful that was. You know, having done quite a lot of weeping and wailing in my life. But, you know, some of these strategies are hard to put down. So, you know, you might do some weeping and wailing. I'm sure there's a real place for that. But what has surprised me so deeply about doing this is that it's actually... And, and, and um, 
apparently this is quite common. It's, it, it, it has a much more calming, lightening effect. It's, it's kind of surprising when you really engage with it with that meditative care and sensitivity. And one of the reasons for this, I think, is that it is, of course, I mean, it's an alignment with what is true. And something in us, I think, breathes a huge sigh of relief. This body is aging. Oh, yeah. I'm not any happier about it than I was. (laughs) But... I've found that even over just a couple of months, it's there's more acceptance, there's more kind of, yeah, you know, and compassion, the resistance or whatever is coming up around it. And that the, 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 the cultural conditioning, personal conditioning around that so strong, isn't it, that somehow we shouldn't be aging. Aging is not allowed. It's not respectable. It's a failure, you know, etc., etc. I mean, I don't, you know what I mean, that it's so, and that of course we find that in ourselves. Um, and of course, you know, in many ways it is very inconvenient. <laughs> it's the body not doing what it used to do. But somehow I just feel there's a, there's a sort of shift. It's like this body is, it bodies age, bodies, bodies age. This is, this is what bodies do. And, and, and it's like, oh, so it's, 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 it's so strange because, of course, we know. Of course we know, but do we really know? Of course, you know, it's, you know, no. And so a really, really, really key concept or key thing that I picked up from Stephen Batchelor is um, that... Part of what we do when we undertake a, a contemplative practice like this is that we are translating thoughts into the language of feeling. So that to me is like, okay, so this body, this body is aging. There's some way in which this body, okay, yeah, mm-hmm, that we're receiving it. It's being translated into chitta, heart, the chitta, this word heart-mind, our effective resonance, the field of our mind, not just our thoughts, but the whole, you know, the embodied intelligence that, that it's very hard to describe, but this word chitta, C-I-T-T-A in Pali, that, that is not the mana, the mind, the thinking mind, it's, the, it's this um, field of consciousness, awareness, just trying to grope, so... That, that feels, that is affected, you know, it's that bit, or it's, it's you know, it's, it's that mood, mind, state, carrier. It's that miasma, sea of miasma I was talking about a couple nights ago. And that this is where, when, when that begins to understand or know that there's a whole different level of learning, there's a whole different level of of sort of alignment or acceptance, if you like, that happens. You could call it, I don't think it's exactly emotional. It's just not even, it's just a different part of the mind, I think. Sort of more the knowing part rather than the conceptual part. 
So anyway, I like that very much, translating thoughts into the language of feeling. So um, we align with the truth and the fear that, that I felt like there's this kind of relief from this almost unconscious resistance to, you know, like, you know, when you're ill and there's some bit, often you feel like you shouldn't be ill. Why not? Why not? Bodies get ill. No bodies, that's, you know, it, 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 it's, it's part of the thing. It's part of what you get for being born. <laughs> and we're not always ill. We can be healthy. And then maybe, you know, it's that thing when you've been ill and then you're healthy again and you're so, oh, I'm so, I'm so happy. I'm so, you know, you appreciate feeling better. And then, of course, you forget again. And, and so it's, it's something also about that vulnerability to remembering, recollecting. Oh, yeah. They're vulnerable to illness, you know, that actually is also really um, in kind of connecting us with that appreciation of, of the health and the vitality that we do have, however little it is at, at times. Or, do you see? So it's helping you with the illness when it comes. And it's, it's also helping you with, with, with sort of appreciating the health and, again, not grasping, seeing the grasping to that I've got to, you know, fend off that illness and, you know, kind of pull down the portcullis and get the battering rams out, you know, and this whole almost kind of unconscious kind of thing that goes on, which is not, it's not the same as, as caring, the sort of just caring for the body. It's fear-based. So, of course, with any of these, one of the key things that is, I can recommend this book by Larry Rosenberg called Living in the Light of Death with this wonderful subtitle on the art of being truly alive. If you're interested, it's a book on these five recollections. I just want to read you something he said about fear, which I think is really helpful. I, I found it helpful. Many of us are carrying around a great deal of unacknowledged fear on the subject of death. And like any other fear, it weighs us down. Practicing death awareness helps flush out this fear, enabling us to face it and showing us that it too is an impermanent formation that is empty of self. The fear lingers in our consciousness when we don't acknowledge it and let it live out its life. So, um, so I, anyway, I, I, I want to move on because I, I think there's so many different benefits to this, sort of areas that it can touch on and support us with. And another one, I think, is loss and letting go. And um, just a small example, for recently I was with my husband and, and he was ill. And because I was practicing this, I was really... <laughs> and one of the things I, I, I did was, at one point, I was, he had a really high fever. And um, this was quite scary, in a way, in terms of my, he might die. And um, he didn't, but I 
I looked at him at one point and, and I was practicing, I was saying, you will die. You will die. Obviously, I'm, I'm very attached to this man. Um, <laughs> so I, I, and I, about three years ago, he did nearly die. And it, it was, yeah, I was not very, I was not very good with that. Um, and so it was really interesting how to turn and to really look at him and I think, yeah, I must feeling fairly steady and mindful and to read to, to sort of, I didn't say out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> oh, that's funny. If I had have done, sh- he would have, yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so... What was it? What was interesting was, well, two things. One thing was, I realised that that was true, but only partly, and that's what led me to wording it in the way I did. Because I was looking at him, and, I, and it was really clear to me that yeah, the whole the whole sort of Doug experience was going to end. You know, that's his name, and that. The whole, you know, experience, that whole thing will go. But actually, it was really clear to me that it was, it was the body. It was that body there that would die. Not, not him. Who is that? Where is that? It was, it was quite striking, you know. You, you hear this sort of non-self thing, and it's like, Anato, and you yeah, 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 you know. But it was so clear that... that 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 experience of that person or whatever it, it's like it's so intangible it's it's so and it's something it's 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 very hard to articulate but it, it wasn't the body it wasn't the body and that was incredibly helpful and not that it it, it, it that sorts the whole thing out I'm, I'm sure it doesn't that it was very it was very important for me I think partly because three years ago he'd had a high fever and and it got worse and he'd gone to hospital and all that, that I could look and that I could... You know this thing with fear? Those moments when you turn to face it? What happens? And it often, it often doesn't it, the, this huge demon sort of kind of it turns out to be smaller than you thought it was. It was that kind of experience to actually look directly and and... See that anyway. I don't want to go on about that, but I think I hope you understand. Um, so much, so much here. I, I probably can't go through all of this. It's been so so rich, as you you can tell. And I um, I want to share another Mary Oliver poem with you, which I think um, speaks so incredibly beautifully and powerfully to. Um, to some of these themes it's called In Blackwater Woods Look the trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light are giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfilment The long tapers of cattails are bursting and floating away over the blue shoulders of the ponds. And every pond, no matter what its name is, is nameless now. 
Every year, everything I have ever learned in my lifetime leads back to this. The fires and the black river of loss whose other side is salvation, whose meaning none of us will ever know. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it, and when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. So, just a couple of other things. And one I think is so... Um, it's, it's so obvious in a way that when we really feel the precariousness, the preciousness, the, the kind of... Uh, the, the, the real fact that we don't, we don't know when we're going to die when we're going to suddenly get very ill or when another person is, then we really, with that, it brings us so, so into the present moment, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's this, um, another way of encapsulating the five recollections. Since death is certain <coughs> and the time of death uncertain, what should I do? So that's another practice that, you know, you, you can take that as a practice and repeat it and, and, and think about it and let it roll around in your consciousness. And one of the really important, I think, again, sort of tones of this is how it, it, it brings us right here. You know, it's, an, it's, it's not about sort of spinning out on you know, thoughts and, and, and proliferations. It's, wow. And I f- often find when I do this, it's like, since death is certain and the time of death is uncertain, what should I do now? Now. Mm. So just that way that it's also a very, you could say, awareness practice, that it turns us back to this, to this moment. This moment. Ah. I always feel like it's telling me to let go. I don't know whether that's just it's got a tame. It always seems to come back to that. Let go, let go. I'm, going, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so um hmm. Yeah, I think I'd like to um just invite you as much as you would like to just together now for us to go through these recollections again. And for as much as you, you know, in whatever way you feel is appropriate for you, you can, you know, hum a merry tune or think of something else. But just if you want to, just to let these sort of 
sink into your mind or heart or just listen and uh, again it's a little bit like with the metta practice I think if you want to take it like that that you're just in that spirit of just dropping a dropping a drop of dye into a pool of water and just again trusting that that again that repeated recollection very simply very simply can help to um, support us in aligning ourselves with the truth of our life and to open to that with, with wisdom, with compassion to help us to um, yeah, live more fully to live more fully in each moment um, so um, yeah, if you want to settle into a comfortable posture of some kind. Mm. So just checking in, feeling how you feel right now, body, mind, heart, just however this theme has affected you. So a sense of allowing, feeling some of the steadiness, the stability and openness that we've been cultivating together over these days. Feeling sense of community here. Together in this common or shared predicament. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is aging.
Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is vulnerable to illness. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body will die. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember, loss is part of life. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember to meet this moment with wisdom.
So just letting go of any the phrases, just resting in presence together, just feeling our own being, our own aliveness, in the presence of everybody here, our last evening together on this retreat. such a sense of gratitude rising up in me tenderness and appreciation for all of you and uh, wish that all of us here and all beings everywhere really learn more deeply what it is to live in peace and with wisdom and with love. Thank you for your attention. We've we've been making time for questions now, but I I feel like I want to give you back to the silence. I hope that's all right. Unless anybody has anything they really want to say or ask right now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.